I think you have everything that I don't. You have a father. That's fantastic. And you can, I can see here my influence in him. And I just think I wondered what that would be if that was me. And I, I probably shouldn't think like that because it's already happened. But there's a part of me that sees my inner child in him. And I find that really exciting to see and watch someone grow. He's now four next week. And I'm like, you're, you're, you're a real boy. You're not a baby anymore. You're moving around. You have an opinion. You're really smart. You're actually quite funny. We do our daily affirmations in the mirror together. Like all these things are just like the best experience in the world. And I think, you know, I can't imagine why a father wouldn't want to be a part of that. That's the best thing ever. Welcome to the Power Hour, the weekly podcast that will motivate you to pursue your passion and to achieve success. I'm Adrienne Herbert, international speaker, fitness coach, Adidas global ambassador and entrepreneur. Each week, I'll be talking to today's leading coaches, creatives, change makers and innovators to find out their daily habits, morning routines and rules to live by. The Power Hour is all about taking just one hour each day to help you improve your life and unlock your full potential. Whether you want to build a business, write a book, run a marathon, or maybe you're just looking for a spark of inspiration, the Power Hour is going to help you get there faster. Welcome back to the Power Hour podcast. Today's guest is a man on a mission to change the narrative and the stereotype surrounding black dads. His global community offers support to black fathers with his organisation Dope Black Dads. You may have already heard him on the Dope Black Dads podcast, on the BBC Sounds app or on BBC Radio 1 Extra. He is leading by example as well as encouraging men to talk to each other about relationships, marriage, fatherhood, trauma, love and purpose. Welcome to the studio, Marvin Harrison. Thank you so much for having me. Thank really you. It. And listen to those, listen to that voice. Ooh, <laughs> I like it. Okay, thank you so much for coming in today. I have been looking forward to this. Amazing. And let's kick off by, I guess, Marvin, you can just take us back, please. What was the catalyst for starting Dope Black Dads and what is it all about? Sure. Um, the catalyst was I was sad. That's that's always an interesting way to start something is that I was sad. Everything else that I've started from a happy place with optimism has never done this well. <laughs> so wow. it, I, I think it was just me being very truthful. So I woke up in the morning, it's Father's Day, I had an amazing morning with my son and my wife. Um, and, you know, you have breakfast, you get a gift and you're laughing and playing. Then there's just that moment in the day. It's a bit like Christmas Day when it gets to like three o'clock and you've eaten. And you're like, I don't know what to do now. And so um, I created a group just to say to all the other black fathers that I knew that I really appreciated them being someone I can look to. And I think being someone who, um, I'm a bit of a workaholic, um, and I think when you get to a certain level in your life, you just maybe lose role models. Like role models aren't the same. You like meet your favorite person. You're like, oh, you know, it's nice as I thought. So my role models have become my genuine peers, the people that after 15 years of being in advertising and being around music and entertainment, that they're still here. So they become my heroes. So I made a group basically of the people that I had met through over those over those times and just said, thank you, first and foremost, for being people I can look up to. Um, and I just said, um, I appreciate you. And I don't think men get told that enough. So they, the response was amazing. Um, and then from there, it kind of just grew. So um, the first group was 23 people. Um, and then after a couple of days, it then, to, then it went to 35 and the conversation started getting a lot more serious. And there was one day we were talking about suicide for like two days straight. Uh, and some of the people that I knew that were the most amazing people in the world had c- contemplated suicide and I'd never known that at that point. So 
I think at that point I realised we needed to have these conversations in the public domain and that's when we moved it into a podcast that was in sort of October that year um, and then ever since from there it's kind of just grown we're now in South Africa we're in the US we have Double Black Mums Double Black Women uh, Double Black Men launches next week so we've we've taken the framework and given it to other people to create their spaces in their own image so it's kind of evolved Wow yeah it certainly has so when you started that group it was a WhatsApp group right? Yeah so it started as WhatsApp messages and then, yes, you said that conversation then evolved and I guess you probably started to realise how much those other men wanted, uh, I guess, a space to have that conversation. Yeah, and I think it's just, um, I think most WhatsApp groups turn into talking about girls, sharing pictures about memes and videos and nonsense and football. Um, and I think that was the first one where that never came up. For the first six months, there was none of that. Um, and I think people were a lot more focused on um, getting support and it became specifically a support group. So we were very, very rigid about what it was there for. So if you had a problem or you knew someone that had something, uh, you would be added to the group and your community would support you and give you the advice and how to you know, do things. There was times when we were writing messages to people's partners saying, you know, I'm sorry, or um, I, I need something else from you and, and helping craft messages to get the right tone. And because sometimes I think language is very important. And I think when you're speaking to somebody else who you love, sometimes you've just um, been around too much or too familiar with, you lose that that delicacy with language and intent. And so having a group of men sit there and craft this message for you to get it spot on so you have the right sentiment is a really nice thing. It's something that you probably may not be able to go to your friends and be able to do. So it was quite a nice thing. Yeah, it sounds amazing. And actually hearing you talk about it, I don't know why, but I feel like it's maybe something that maybe years ago we used to have, do you know what I mean? I feel mm-hmm. like as we've become... I guess more connected than ever we're also very disconnected and I guess a lot of people you know loneliness is huge for people right now Mm. and although you know technology has connected us I think maybe back in the day people did did tend to meet more in communities and have and have that so yeah I mean it's yeah it sounds incredible and for anyone listening to this show who has kids they will know that it is a huge huge life-changing moment when you become a parent So what challenges do you think that new fathers face in particular and why are those challenges different for black men? So I think the new father thing is, uh, there was a statistic, uh, it was based in the US, but it definitely applies here also, is that black fathers spend the most amount of time with their children in any other race. And that was recorded. Um, And then I think that's zero to five that happens. And then from five to 12, that diminishes. Um, quite significantly I think by 36% less and so what that says is that men are probably leaving the home at that point after five and so that shows me that the first five years are the toughest and we've all found collectively within our group that the first two years is particularly tough mainly because you identify um, you become something that you've probably always wanted to be or not (laughs) either way that's quite traumatic in in its experience Um, your positioning in that journey is marginalised intentionally the society has built it around the mother um, and there isn't necessarily a clear path as to what you can contribute so if you're a modern man who and you're particularly into wanting to be a father the the, the public services pretty much are designed to prioritize the mother keep you on the outside we've had fathers who were uh, had their partners asked if they were abusing them physically and emotionally um, and we found that to be culturally biased also so it particularly happened more often with black fathers than it did anybody else I actually said that to a midwife while I was on holiday um, and she was she said to me so I, I thought this my wife disagreed 
Uh, we went on holiday. I said this to a midwife who was based in Liverpool, a, a white uh, midwife. And she was like, no, 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 we only do that when we think there's danger. So you'll be fine because you're a really nice guy. So she thought she was complimenting me. But what she showed me was sort of behind the curtain that that's a known thing. So they believe that in our communities that we are abusing our wives. So they have to ask you. So they asked me to leave the room, ask my wife that question, which I do think is important, but also bearing in mind what indicator were you using? I'm here mm. with you in the middle of the day at work. I should yeah. be at work trying to see my child's heartbeat excited and you sucked all the fun out of it because you've now asked my wife that question. It just made me really conscious of mm. what my energy was in that room. These things that you would never have to consider if you were European or if you was white British because it would just be your norm and you probably wouldn't be asked. They would understand your energy in the room. They wouldn't think you're there supervising your wife. They would assume that you are there with your wife. So little things like that going to your question in terms of what makes it different mm. it's those things that are very very hard to explain and contextualize and prove i can't go to a court of law and have it clear that fundamentally they ask me because i'm black i have to make a judgment call mm. based on patterns yeah. uh, and based on experiences and testimony from other people so i think that quite often is what plays on black fathers minds and we're constantly trying to filter our presence in most spaces and that becomes extremely taxing on top of everything else that a father has to do, no matter where you're from. So 80% of it, I would say, is all fathers. And then there's a 20% layer, which is very, very complex to navigate, which we then have to figure out also. Mm, yeah, it's very complex, as you said. You know, I think it's so much a part of, well, it's conditioning, it's social mm. conditioning. And even that, the word that she used, you know, we only do that if we think that there's danger. And as mm. you said, it's like, what is that indicator for danger? Is it mm. that I'm tall? Is it that I'm maybe have an athletic appearance? Is it that I'm black? You can't, what, where is, where are they, you know? Yeah. You know? And, and, and the thing is, a lot of our lenses internalize from places that you don't even know. So if she may not have consciously been racially biased, but she was. And the thing is, everyone can talk about um, unconscious bias as if it's some sort of like dreamy thing that just slips into your mind. You're like, oh, I'm so sorry, I was racist towards you. What we're saying is, is that you have to consciously be aware of the energy you bring to a room. So as a man in an era where we have been ultimately more thoughtful around how we interact with women, I can't just be like, yeah, but I watched James Bond in the 70s and he just slapped some woman and kissed her and threw her on the bed. I kind of carry that energy sometimes. I just forget because I'm just unconsciously biased towards being a toxic arsehole. So I can't swear on this podcast, by the way. Go ahead. It's cool. Toxic arsehole. <laughs> so I think it's um, very important. Sorry, I probably can't, but it's, it's happened now. Um, but I think it's very important that we are able to watch and be mindful of the people that we're around. I don't mean that we have to not be our authentic selves, mm. but I think we should also be in touch with why am I thinking this? What's, what is triggering me to believe that there is something wrong here? Nothing is wrong. Like we were actually laughing, we were having a great time, I felt, and yeah. in my in my opinion. And that's when you don't spend time with uh, black families, you don't know what that sound of blackness is. Mm -hmm. Like that's one thing, like quite often we talk about our trauma, we never really celebrate the thing that makes us unique. If you go into a black home, there is laughter. Mm. There's dancing, there's Noise. singing, it's there's loud. food, <laughs> it's loud. That black laughter, and you hear it, I feel safe. I know something positive is happening and it's that real deep cackle. Um, the smell of food, dance, the way we speak, the way we communicate, the frequency. I can hear a black voice when they're speaking on the phone. I know that it's there. Those things we don't celebrate enough. We quite often attribute the trauma to ourselves way too often. Um, and it, it's because the trauma is so loud in relation to the positive times that we have. So that's pretty much what the big difference is. Mm, yeah, wow. Well, thank you for articulating it so wonderfully. And I thought it was really interesting as well how, you know, how you talked about 
the male role and how being a new father there's so much conversation about new mums new mums mother and baby mother and baby you know and that's rightly so you know women need Mm. that support for sure but I definitely think that I've witnessed you know um, uh, men becoming new fathers and feeling like I guess as you said not really knowing like how much you know even like to talk to other men or to people in their family about how they're experiencing the change in dynamic because it's huge the mm. change in dynamic in your house when you become a parent mm. it, you know obviously the, the the focus you know it's 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 traumatic it can be traumatic for the woman it can be all of these things but i feel like men perhaps don't have the space to have that conversation because it's almost like hang on a minute look at what she's done look mm. at what you know what i mean yeah. and it shouldn't be a competition of of, of labor or of, of of emotional anything it's kind of yeah i don't think that's helpful i think if we're going to move forward in a conversation for equality of women we have to have a rounded conversation we cannot have this thing about we're empowering women we're freeing them to be all that they should be which is right and then at the same time not improve the outcomes of men and that means being able to be emotionally connected to whatever's happening in the world to our wives to our children to our family uh, and that be allowed and accepted by society and actually encouraged and actually be uh, and actually that's i think that's so important because I i think for me I am quite an emotional person. I am I am emotionally intelligent to my surroundings. Um, and it's a muscle that I've forced myself to be comfortable with because the natural instinct is to suppress that immediate feeling to cry. Like sometimes I just cry when I just see my son. I think you have everything that I don't. You have a father. That's fantastic. And you can I can see here my influence in him and I just think I wondered what that would be if that was me. And I, I probably shouldn't think like that because it's already happened, but there's a part of me that sees my inner child in him. And I find that really exciting to see and watch someone grow. He's now four next week. And I'm like, you're 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 a real boy. You're not a baby anymore. You're moving around, you have an opinion. You're really smart. You're actually quite funny. We do our daily affirmations in the mirror together. Like all these things are just like the best experience in the world. And I think, you know, I can't imagine why a father wouldn't want to be a part of that. That's the best thing ever. Mm, wow, it sounds beautiful. And yeah, so hearing you talk about emotion brings me perfectly onto my next question, which is that over the last few years, there's been a huge spotlight uh, on mental health awareness, especially for men, and the conversation around toxic masculinity. So for anyone listening to this show who might not know much about this topic at all, maybe they don't know anything about it, could you please talk to us about what is toxic masculinity? How does it show up? And what impact does it have on men and young boys? Yeah, so toxic masculinity, it's an important one because at the same time, when you understand what masculinity is, it's just a description of masculine attributes. And so when you add the word toxic to it, it wraps all of our attributes into the idea of being toxic. And I think it's uh, an unfair term that's being overused. I think when we talk about toxic bravado, is more important. I think bravado is important. You need to engage your ego at times um, in a healthy way to push you through certain barriers. I think when that becomes toxic, when you believe that you're godlike or you feel like you can have five wives or five kids with five different women because you've just pushed your through with ego, you haven't thought about the consequences, that's where the danger comes in. When we talk about masculinity in an all-encompassing term of toxic, I think then men feel like they are toxic. And then I think you then cult- count cultivate a culture of where men feel marginalised in and they don't feel safe. And I think I, I quite often reference this in terms of if you think men were horrific before, imagine what they would do with the structural power that they still have and being pushed into a corner. And we're seeing glimpses of it now. Mm. You look at how men have reacted to 
Brexit to the Windrush scandal, how they react to race in general, how they react to power structure, how they react to the Me Too movement, to the point now, it's quite a common thing that men are just saying, we're sick of your like political correctness. It's now been it's weaponized against you that you're mindful. And that's insane. And I think if we keep pushing them without embracing them in some way, it will become back in a way you could never imagine. It will be horrific and longer lasting than it was before. Because still men were still pretending that they weren't abusive. They were pretending that they weren't assholes. If they come out and say, I was flawed, mm. you have to, there has to be a road to redemption. It cannot just be, everything has to be like a consequence. Everything has to be, I'm taking your career away. I'm taking your kids away, your family away. You can't be anything. It's to hide in a corner because one time you punched a woman in the face. Now, it is horrific and us men will hold that man to account anyway. Mm. So any dad that's a dope black dad that has those things happen, we, we remove them from that space, but we take them through a process of like redemption. Support. Yeah, because you can't be labeled a dope black dad and still have certain things hovering over you. I think you need time to take that out. You have to go to a road to recovery. We will support you on that road, but you cannot be in our space. Our space is a healthy space around growth. Mm. Where means we're in we've passed all of those things and we're now moving into a better space. If you're happen having these instances now, something deeper is wrong with you. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if that guy doesn't have a space to become to redeem, he will create a group of people who have all been who have all done that, who have all been accused of things, and they will come back with a vengeance, whether it's structurally, whether it's socially, and nobody wants to be on the receiving end of that. Because as much as we've liberated minorities um, uh, and fringe groups and women uh, into um, having a voice, we still don't have the structural power to really impact in a way that means that we cannot be harmed, we cannot happen again. This can be reversed in a hot summer. Well, it's being reversed as we speak mm. in a hot summer. So let's not pretend that it's just like, you know, this social power that we've kind of, the social voice that we found is the complete answer. Mm. We still need to structurally make sure that these things can never happen again. And until that is, there is a danger without a road to redemption. We lose people who are engaged in what is happening to us because of something they did years ago. So I'm not advocating completely that they nothing happens to them, but I'm saying we have to be mindful of what our approach is to rejecting people who have fallen foul of social norms. We just mm. cannot just put them in prison for years and then forget that they, when they come out they're gonna they're still here mm. they're still walking around yeah and where yeah and who's failed them in the first place for them to to become that man because mm. they were a boy they were a child and I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Brene Brown mm-hmm. incredible woman she she actually was talking about uh, Donald Trump and she said that she you know she heard him speak this was before he was actually elected as president and she heard him speak and she said she was in the car it was on the radio and she was like it's like a moment where she was like wow what he is doing and the people that he's speaking to as you said it's like when he's saying to people you know actually those people who feel like you're wrong you're you're bad you're trodden down Mm. he's like you're not bad like i'm here for you it's kind of like when those people hear that message Mm. she was like wow we're in trouble because there's a lot of those people and as you said if we just push people into the corner or kind of you know alienate them without that kind of offer of there is there can be resolve there can be redemption there can Mm. be i guess yeah transformation Mm. then what where does it leave them Mm. um but taking it back a little bit so i don't know i feel like my understanding on a very basic level sometimes around toxic masculinity or the way it's portrayed in media is that essentially generations before would tell men uh, tell boys and tell girls different messages mm-hmm. and the language would be different and mm-hmm. um you know things about you know boys don't cry or that you know girls would be more nurturing and boys would be more you know uh, pushed to be leaders or to be aggressive or you know i think obviously it's a lot deeper than that but i guess how can 
can the next generation of fathers, how can they start to kind of consider those things if they've never considered them before? But I think in the framing of that question, there is a bias in it because it's a part of our programming that it says that being a leader is somehow a good thing. Why do you want to be a leader? Why do you want to be a CEO? Why do you want to be head of any of those things? I think masculinity in general has sent us in a completely wrong direction. I believe women have had the right balance of life, work and goals um, uh, in comparison to us. And we are now sitting there trying to be like, let's all do more of what men things do. We have a terrible existence. I think we, we're not connected to our children as we should be. We're not connected to ourselves at all. Like when I promoted a, a meditation class with across all the groups that we have, it was 80% women that came. When I promoted the uh, Project Heal, which is to come in and talk about our identity and who we are, it was 90% women that came. When not, Men are not open and free and able to engage in that way yet. And I'm saying, women have it right, we have it wrong. Please don't follow us. Don't go down this road of like of mirroring. If you want to, and that's your design, you want to be an astronaut and you want to play for Arsenal and you want to be paid right, Absolutely. But don't sit there from nothing and think, oh, I have to be more like men are and empowering those spaces. It's like those aren't healthy spaces for anybody. Mm. Working 50 hours, 60 hours, 70 hours isn't healthy. And that's something that I was programmed with. So I felt like if I didn't do 50 hours, I was failing. That's a very, very insane mindset. And so when you find new information and realize what success actually is, you can then move away from those ideas and build new structures that actually allow you to have a healthy life. I now spend time with my children. My children actually like me. They did not like me in the beginning because I was like, when I came in, I came in with such structure and like, I didn't understand what they were doing and why, what that sound meant. So I was just doing like, you're making noise. It's not noise. I now understand every single noise my children make. And that's only because I've had intent and space and time with my wife to be able to figure out that stuff. And she's been amazing to support me. But if I followed the plan of masculinity, I probably would nowhere near be a, a good enough father to even call myself a dog like that. Wow. Wow. I love it. I love it. And, you know, you talk about women then. So I often hear women talking about these topics and it can be difficult, I guess, for women to navigate the line between support and encouragement and mm. actually saying like doing the work yourself. Um, and I've heard women say things like it's not your job to educate him, sis. We've all heard that. Mm. So I often find it useful to suggest books or podcasts or blogs because you probably know what this is like, right? If something comes from, you know, read this book or listen to this podcast, you're going to hear it in a different way to someone mm. just saying to you, I think you should do this or mm. I think this. So, uh, yeah, do you have any recommendations um, for anyone who does want to learn more? Where could they get started? For, for me, I'm more focused specifically on self. And when you develop yourself, you're able to then transfer that over to your children. I think this kind of arrogant idea that, you know, I can raise my children. It's like you can barely raise yourself, if at all. So, the books that I read right now, um, there's one called Untethered Soul, which is around your uh, your inner voice, the monologue that your voice constantly have and how to control it and tame it and what that actually means. Uh, there's one called The Ways of Superior Man, which is also another spiritual book. Um, I'm trying to think what else is there. To be honest, I, would, I don't even want to over, overdo it. Start there and then you will find other things. And I think also our podcast has many themes that are connected to those books. And so... We're challenging the idea of masculinity, but we're not ripping it all up. We're taking the parts that work and adding new ideas about how you interact with people, your children, um, your parents. Parents is a huge one as a source of pretty much all of our thoughts and processes um, and how we've developed. Um, how, how you can grow out of that um, is a really important one that we 
constantly refer back to because for me it's the source of all the good and bad that happens when you're um going through the world yeah unlearning for sure i think there's yeah. a lot of focus on learning learn 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 but actually unlearning i think is really really powerful something that i guess myself probably over the last two years probably of yeah reading different things has start to yeah, as you describe, you think about your parents, you think about maybe your social influences, your peer group, and it's actually there's things that if you want to change them, you have to unlearn, whether mm. it's habits, behaviours, and it's hard. It's hard yeah. work. I think one of the things is that I'm learning is I don't hold attachment and I don't hold expectation. And so I walk in there as myself, ready and present for whatever comes my way. I think one of the things about having expectation, it changed my relationships with everybody, especially my wife, but also my friendships group. I have my nucleus family, which are a priority because I made them and I'm very proud of it. <laughs> but that, that that's my nucleus family. Then I have my wider family that I'm a part of. And then there's everybody else. There, there is no like best friend hierarchy. I've, no, it's just, I've known you for a very long time, so we may have more things to talk about in depth, but everybody else is just fluid. And I will take you as you present yourself and I won't try to figure you out. There's nothing to figure out. And I think I enjoy people under that basis rather than having a clear narrative about who is and who isn't because everybody at some point will fall foul of your expectation. Mm, oh my gosh I couldn't agree with you more I'm literally sitting here like <laughs> yes because honestly I find that that is such a difficult thing to navigate personally is relationship expectations from other people yeah. and I feel it a lot I mean you know I'm somebody I love people I love to be around people I socialize I have different friends from different you know times in my life from different networks from different places and it's kind of difficult when yeah those expectations can be put on you from mm. others and you're like you know you don't have to justify to people that okay maybe you know I'm a wife I'm a mother I'm a sister I'm mm. a daughter I'm a friend I'm a colleague you're all of these things but it's yeah it can be very difficult when people's expectation is that they want you Adrienne to be this to me mm. in my, in, and it's like well maybe I'm I'm not do you know yeah. what I mean yeah, 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 yeah. it's really really Ch challenge all relationships is the healthiest thing ever um, and, and at times pull away like I pull away all the time and I'm not afraid to like I've built so many social um, spaces for people to come into so now when we had the village yesterday which is why I was run punched out but uh, we had a village yesterday which is the dope black mums dads men and women coming together with all of our friends and our tribes um, into one space that was an amazing example of what it's like just to meet people on that and in interact with them on that level but also at the same time is I am happy to spend three, four, five days a week, two weeks by myself in my own mind, in my own presence, enjoying just what's around me and enjoying my family and not overly indulging in other people's energy. So um, you can just play it how you want to and don't necessarily be afraid of doing so. Like being that authentic self is really nice. Yeah. I agree. So since since the launch of Dope Black Dads in June 2018, your organisation has had a huge p impact on so many men. So mm. do you have any standout moments? Yeah, I've had two. So one was the suicide one because that was two, two and a half days of talking about it. And I never knew that that was a thing um, with, the, with my group. And it really shone a light on why. Um, and a lot of it is, again, going back to this idea of masculinity uh, and feeling hopeless that you do not fulfill that um, role of the super uber masculine leader of the family. Um, and so when you feel like you failed and you have no other options, you don't want to live anymore because you're embarrassed. It's a shame. So that one was a big one. The second one was in the South Africa group, actually. So in South Africa, there's been seven cases of... Um, murders really domestic violence murders um husbands killing or their wives and partners um and 
there was a in our group there was like a two and a half day action plan and that's men saying we can't allow men to do this anymore we need a plan we need to raise money we need to create spaces for women to be safe we need to create a process as to what can happen we need to challenge our own friends and make sure they're not a part of this and it was really beautiful it was actually quite emotional i remember having shivers just hearing men organize themselves and, it, and, and that shows that when you are structurally able to do so, so you're in a black country and you can able to have solutions, what you can actually do, there's a confidence in saying that their, their conversation was, how do we structurally support and um, change this? And in, in a London group, it's more about just expressing almost a hopelessness about what it can be done. And it's almost like a ground level swell versus a structural swell. And, and I think that's where when we have a lens of what black men are in Britain, it's usually through the lens of that we don't have the power, so we need alternative means to try and impact things. And it's about being louder, it's about trending on Twitter, it's about influencing, influencing brands and uh, commercial partners, but we can't just sit in a group and be on WhatsApp and be like, we need to change the laws. We need to create a shelter. Do you know what my friend is, uh, education and environmental minister, he'll connect me with blah, blah, blah. And we're going to, that's a completely different conversation. And that was so beautiful to watch them organize themselves, create a fund, set up a direct debit. Everybody's paying into this fund. We're creating a website for it. And I'm like, wow. And and I think that, that those two things really made me feel like we found something. Um, and I realized that there's a first for a way that we can be actionable as men about some of the things that are going on. Amazing. And actionable is what it is, right? Because, mm. yeah, the conversation is important, but action is what we need, right? For sure. Mm. So in, in since starting the podcast, I've interviewed lots of different people. And something that's come up again and again is doing things in service of others. And I truly believe that ultimately it's what it's all about. It's the best thing that we can do. So what advice would you give to anyone who maybe wants to start an organization or a movement of their own? I think... The idea about starting any movement, and again, I'll go back to what I said earlier. I couldn't design this. I'm actually a strategist. I should be able to design this movement and it should work. But it's very, very difficult to capture people's hearts, feelings and emotions and imagination to get them to follow something. And I, I wouldn't be able to devise this. This happened out of my own lack. And so it's naturally grown. But I think the first thing is is stay, stay as true to, truthful to the point that you started in as possible. Because quite often it's very difficult for us. Like as Dope Blood Dads, we set it off. I know what we are. We're a digital safe space. Uh, and then we do education and training for fathers. But then every now and again, there'll be a conversation that we didn't plan for. That is amazing. That's something that the other side of Marvin would love to have. But I have to question, is it really helping our community or is it just aiding myself? And I have to either reject or pass it on if I feel like it's getting too much about me. And that's a very conscious thing to be doing. It has to be about what we're trying to achieve. And then for us, we're lucky we're able to achieve a lot of things in a very short space of time. But I think it's also really important that my community is engaged. So, you know, we have a chairman and he's, he does a lot of stuff for us. We have about eight people who are really on the front line helping me deliver what the plan is. And in every other group across the world and also the other groups with the women and the mums, they're able to follow our framework. They just take our plan and go off and run with it. So I think the key thing is staying true to the actual reason why you started it in the first place. Amazing advice. Yeah, integrity is everything. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the Power Hour. So on this show, I really love to hear about 
how people do what they do, why they do what they do, their journeys to everything, daily habits in relation to their success, happiness, health, and in particular, their morning routine. So Mm -hmm. people who've been listening to the show for a while will know that I am an early bird and I have this early morning routine. But as I mentioned, you have two kids and I know that having kids has a huge impact on mornings and on sleep. So I'd love to know, Marvin, what time do you get up in the morning and what's the first hour of your day like? Yes, this is a, um, because we were talking about this earlier and you're privileged because you have an eight-year-old so they can do (laughs) stuff themselves. My son chooses maybe three days a week to do nothing himself because he needs me to do it because I'm not happy dad. Um, And my first hour pretty much looks like they wake me up what about the sleep? Are they, so how old, are you, how old are both your children? They're three and one. It's four next week. So four four and one and a half. Um, and, and do they sleep through? They both sleep through, but they're getting up at six to 6.30 every day. Okay. And so I'm up very latest then. My wife is currently doing a lot on the front line because I'm extra tired for some reason at this point in time. Um, but on a whole, 6.30 we're up. It's breakfast for half an hour. Seven, we have to get all four of us up, ready and out. Then we drive into work and I do not get enough time to do other things. The one thing that I selfishly reclaim for myself is either yoga in the car journey in, which is about 40 minutes, um, or yoga um, in between that uh, 6.30 and just after seven mark. So I'm able just to take that time and have some guided meditation. um, And that really, really helps me. I found myself over a long period of time becoming more centered in the morning and I do it at night also. Um, than I was when I when I don't do it. Like I haven't done it for five days and I can feel my like erraticness coming out, just like leaping in when you get too big or too small. Um, and I like, I'm trying to keep a centered space at all times. So not to be too excited or not to be too like depressed about anything that's happening. But why did you say selfishly reclaimed? Because why is it selfish to reclaim? So if you know that that's going to have a positive impact on your day, your interactions, your relationships, your mood, then I don't think it's selfish to take that 45 minutes and say, I need to prioritize this. I think it's selfish, but I don't think it's bad. I think you need self-time. And I, and I invest in myself a lot because I give a lot. Um, my job, I look after three territories. Um, I manage a lot of people. It's quite intense. Then anything to do, do with adult like dads, and I still got to be a husband and a, and, and, a, and a father. Those are the four titles I accept and I sign up for. But within that, I have to selfishly take time for myself. I have to be conscious about my self-time. And I think that's a positive. Selfishness has been taken as a negative quite often. Um, And I think that's a very important thing to rectify because uh, I have a list of things that are my self-care list. So when I'm just not feeling good, I just scroll through this list and one of these things is something for me. And it could be just like, today I'm going to oil my beard. I never get to do that. So I'm going to do that today. And I just take my time and go through the processes. I have this amazing facial process that I got because after I went on uh, BBC and I started seeing myself on 4K cameras, I was like, I need to improve my life. (laughs) Uh, uh, And so, you know, I have about 11 things that I can do that make me feel better. um, And I just do them. I I do them and I take them out no matter what is going on. I just stop, um, which I think is important. I think it's very important too. And for me, I prioritise my mornings. It is a little earlier than yours, but it's for that reason. And I also encourage, you know, yeah, men, husbands, partners to do the same because I think, as I said, if it has a positive impact on yourself and how you're going to be able to interact your energy throughout the day you know I think that's really 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 powerful and important that's because you're in great shape okay I'm, I'm in medium <laughs> shape okay I have, a, I, have a, I have an outward shell but anything internally is doesn't work as well so let, let give you know 
Hey, as you said, 4K, the glow, <laughs> the glow up is coming. <laughs> so could you give us, I'm going to ask you to give us a power hour challenge. So mm-hmm. I ask every guest every, every week to give the listeners something, a challenge, something to kind of get outside the comfort zone or just something to consider that they could try this week, maybe for the first time. Yes, I'm pushing everyone currently into meditation. And, and the thing is, if you don't meditate, it's funny when you say people that you should meditate, everyone says they tried it one time and they think they do it sometimes because it's, it feels awkward to say you've never done it and never would. You just need to do five minutes. And if you do a week of five minutes, 10 minutes becomes possible. The biggest and the hardest part of meditation for myself was um, to quieten the noise, to allow my brain to be still, which it would never do. So I, I now have a practice where I don't sleep with my phone by me um, and I don't look at my phone before I meditate because every time I do, and I try to meditate, it has a hissing sound. I can hear a frequency of something that's affecting me from being still. Um, so doing five minutes of guided meditation, if you type into YouTube um, uh, meditation with monks or guided meditations, you'll find a couple of options and just listen. The guided one is the easiest ones. It will take you on a little journey. It will be like you are in a park, by your right hand side there's a uh, fountain the water is running and you splash your face and you start to visualize these things and you leave whatever space you're in so try meditation at five minute increments for a week if you get there then grow with it at your own pace but do try five minutes brilliant brilliant please please give it a try and let us know if you are going to try that challenge i really encourage you to do it and you know what i'm actually going to do it too because i don't meditate i i always Mm. say to people running is my meditation i i do breath work at the moment which is life-changing honestly incredible i'm a little bit addicted actually after i finish i do a 25 minute guided breath work class i literally finish and i feel so incredible that Mm. i just know i want to do this again tomorrow i want to feel this feeling again so i'm going to try the meditation um myself and I'm gonna I love, try breath work oh my gosh yes I'm gonna give you uh, some recommendations Please and links do. because it's incredible but I love that you said five minutes because often with the challenge it's like do this for an hour do this for an hour and people are like are you, I'm time poor like I don't have time for your power hour but mm. actually five minutes as you said then 10 is possible then 15 you never know it might make it yeah to an hour. if you try to do an hour your brain will explode or feel like <laughs> it's about to explode so do not do that for an hour and you also don't have to sit in the lotus position either that's very condescending you can do it in any other way you feel comfortable just just get your mind right and then the rest will follow. That sounded yes. like a rap, but that wasn't meant to be. <laughs> <laughs> also sit up though, because I sometimes am like, I'll yeah. do it laying down. <sighs> yeah, Sleep. Yeah, yeah. Sleep. That, that definitely it's happens. a power nap. Okay, so this has been absolutely incredible. I've absolutely loved having you today. But Thank before you. I ask you my final question, which is a big one, uh, could you tell the lovely listeners, where can they find you? Instagram, the podcast, Dope Black Dads, give it to us. So you can find me at Marvin Harrison on everything. Um, I need more personal followers. I think I channel everything into Dope Black Dads and my followers have not increased as anywhere as much as Dope Black Had Dads. So follow me because I'm more interesting than the platform. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out, a, a Marvin Harris. A very Harrison. uncentered ending to, to, the, to the podcast. But um, uh, And also on everything else at Dope Black Dads or DopeBlackDads.com. Um, also check out Dope Black Mums and Dope Black Women, um, depending on your preference. And Dope Black Men is launching next week. So whatever applies to you. There'll be further intersectionalities coming soon for the LGBT community. Slap me in the head. There is uh, Dope Black and LGBT coming soon. And you got it building. all. Well, I, it's they're not mine. I just I just say there's spaces for you to go find yourself. I don't I don't own them. I have zero input. My wife makes it very clear I'm not allowed in the mums group, even though it's very interesting. Um, so yeah, I just create the spaces and walk away. So it's a really good chance for people to connect with people like them and feel safe enough to come up with ideas and approaches to the problems that you're having. 
Amazing. So my closing question, which I ask to every guest, it's my favourite bit, actually. It's all about time. We've talked about the power hour and uh, the five minutes versus the hour. But I believe time is the most valuable thing we all have and share. It's the most valuable thing you can give to another person and you can never get it back. So thank you for giving us your time today. What is the most valuable thing that time has taught you? Time. Oh, that's such a big question, though. I, I feel that's one of those philosophical ones where philosophical ones where where I feel like it's never going to be at justice but time has probably taught me that I I am the answer and I, and I think that's a new thing for me is that I I am the answer and quite often I've looked externally for things to leverage me and support me and as a crutch but I, it's all within me and if I tap into it I'm able to 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 find the answer and I and I'm getting more in tune with my own um frequency um so yeah that's my new thing. That's powerful. Awesome. Thank you so much. And thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode. I really hope that you enjoyed it as much as I did. Don't forget, you can rate and review us on iTunes, share it on Insta stories, tweet, all of that good stuff. It really helps to, I guess, share the message. You know, if you listen to the same things, if you surround yourself with, you know, the same people, the same message, we live in an echo chamber and we don't challenge ourselves enough to hear these kind of different conversations you know this conversation is not for black men or for black dads it's for all of us so please do share it with anyone who you think may get value and insight from it thanks so much for listening thank you see ya thank you One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs>